Tonight we are discussing the omnipotence of God. I hope that the big words are getting easier for you to handle, and tonight's word is a very easy big word. Omni, meaning all. Potent. If I said something is very potent, you'd say, well, it's powerful. Omnipotence is God is all-powerful. So it's a big word, but it's pretty easy to understand. The omnipotence of God. God is all-powerful. The technical definition is he can bring to pass everything which he wills. His power has no bounds or limitations. Now, once again, it's very often easiest to understand God's attribute by looking at the opposite of it. So when you think about man, how close are you to omnipotent? Not very close, actually. In fact, we are almost the exact opposite. If you want an object moved, it may be too heavy to lift. If you decide you, you want a person to do something, they may not be willing to comply. You decide to go on a family picnic, and it rains. You want to go on vacation, and you spend the whole day stranded alongside the road. You have a to-do list for today, and half of what's on the to-do list is left over from yesterday. Your life is full of ambitions and plans and desires, but you sit there knowing full well that most of them are never going to come to pass. That's man, and God is not like that at all. Whatever he wills, he has the power to carry out. There are no limitations. There are no boundaries. One of the names of God is El Shaddai. It means the God most powerful or the almighty God. Very often in scripture, God is referred to as almighty. There are lots of powers in this world, but God alone is Almighty. There are lots of mighty powers, but God alone is almighty. Now, men often misdefine God's power in the universe. If you watch Andy Griffith, you'll know of a specific episode, but it happens in several of the episodes where Barney is talking about those hexing rays that jar you. It's a random force that jars you and makes you either lucky or unlucky. If you're familiar with the movie Star Wars, the Jedis are supposed to use the force. They're supposed to tap into this unfeeling source of power to be successful and accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Kind of like plugging into an electric outlet. These thoughts and thoughts like it are totally unworthy of God. The power in our world is not some random chance, nor is it some unfeeling force. The almighty power in this world is a loving heavenly father who is using his power on our behalf. Like all of God's attributes, it cannot be separated from the whole. It, but it can also be inferred, his omnipotence can be inferred from his other attributes. How could God be self-existent if he didn't have the power to do anything and everything that needed to be done? How could he be unchangeable unless he was omnipotent? You know, our lives are dominated by change. Time and circumstances and events and distance all affect us because we don't have the power to stop them. 
All of us are aging. And why are we aging? Because you do not have the power to stop the clock. We are changeable. But God, he, how could he be unchangeable if he were not omnipotent? So from his other attributes, we could infer this, even if the Bible didn't tell us. Now, let us for a moment consider the magnitude, the awesomeness of his power. If we look into space, and we have these days the ability to do so, the enormity of the universe and its billions of galaxies and its septillions of stars, it distances that are just boggle the imagination even. When we look at that, we see God's power in the magnitude of his creation. You cannot look at that and say, oh, this must be some small God. The magnitude of the universe, when we look out, says God is omnipotent. But if we take that and look the other way and go as small as we can get, if we look into a microscope, I don't even know, if, can you see an atom? I think they do have an atomic microscope, don't they? You can see the atoms. If you can see an atom, I don't know if you can, that's the smallest building block that we know of. Scientists at the end of World War II figured out a way to split that building block. They converted mass to energy. Now, what was the outcome of that? Whoa, that's some serious energy. When you split that mass into energy, there is serious energy that comes out of that, the atomic bomb. Now think of how that atom was made. It was the reverse process. God spoke the world into existence. This is energy being converted into mass. Now when we release the energy of just one of those atoms, we see the power that it took to create that. Now, start multiplying all of the atoms in the universe multiplied times the power that it took to create each one and the omnipotent power that God has starts to come into focus. He isn't just a mighty God. He is the almighty God. He is omnipotent. Remember, we're not merely trying to understand facts about God. We could do that in a Bible doctrines class, and that wouldn't make much difference in our life. But the facts about God should actually make a difference. And if we will allow them to do so, they will alter our lives and deepen our relationship with God. So let's discuss four effects that the omnipotence of God should have on our lives. First effect that we should come to is we should recognize his power. We should recognize his power. Let me ask you, if you had a semi-tractor trailer, a tractor, would you be afraid of trying to pull your garden wagon that that would be too heavy for that semi-trailer, the semi-tractor? You'd say, no, the semi has plenty of power to pull my garden wagon. If you were a child of a multi-billionaire like Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, Would you be worried about starving to death because you couldn't afford food? If your dad was Albert Einstein, would you be afraid that your 7th grade math teacher would give you a math problem that your dad wouldn't be able to help you with? 
All of those are rhetorical questions. But let me ask you, why then do we worry, doubt, and fear? Why does that dominate our lives? When this all gets back in, um, Carol will have you sing right after I'm done here. Why do we allow worry, doubt, and fear to dominate us? God is omnipotent. He has... That's strange. Oh, there they are. Good. Okay. God is omnipotent, and He has chosen to lead and guide and help and protect you. Now ask yourself, what problem can you, a little fly speck on a planet, have that is so complicated that an omnipotent God cannot deal with? We need to recognize God's power. Number two, we need to let that power be displayed in our lives. We need to let that power be displayed in our lives. You know, the, the world is full of gods that men worship. John Rhodes has been pointing some of those out in his Sunday school class. Men bow and scrape and sacrifice for their gods only to find that their gods are all takers. They promise a lot of great things like peace and happiness, but they never pay off on their promises. And too often we try to win the world around us by showing our dedication and our commitment to God. We do this and we do that. And the world is not impressed. Because your dedication to God pales in comparison to a drunkard's commitment to alcohol. It pales in comparison to a man's desire to gain wealth. Or his dedication to recreation or pleasure. Why should the world be impressed with your commitment to God when they are far more committed to their gods? This is a mistake that Christians make. Touting our dedication to God is not the way to bring people to Christ. God's power working in our lives is. The world gives and gives and gives to their gods and have nothing but heartache to show for it. And we have an omnipotent God willing to work in and for and through us. We are to be living a supernatural life. This was what will draw men to Christ. Quit trying to display your own power and let the omnipotent God work through you. Third thing that ought to change us. Quit presuming on God's mercy and grace. Quit presuming on God's mercy and grace. When I was a little kid, you never heard other little kids mouthing off to the big kids. Do you remember those days? The little kids never mouthed off to the big kids. Why? Because those big kids would pound you into the ground like a tent stake. Now, you, you actually, it's pretty common to hear some little kid mouthing off because that little kid knows how to threaten a lawsuit and his parents have their lawyer on speed dial. And so that little kid is a mouthy little brat. But when we were kids, you didn't do that because that big kid would just make you eat your lunch, all right? It was, you just didn't do that. Now, I don't want to paint God as a bully because he's anything but that. He is gracious and merciful and kind. But the fact of the matter is, he is omnipotent. When we rebel, 
when we insist on going our own way, when we intentionally disobey Him, we are presuming upon His goodness. When we make plans that are not in line with His, we are presuming upon His grace. Grace. We are like that little punk kid mouthing off to someone who could clean our clock. Quit doing that. It is by God's mercy that we are not consumed. God has chosen to use that power that he has on your behalf. Just think what he could do if he wanted to use that power against you. God is merciful and gracious and good. But don't presume upon that. He is omnipotent. And number four, as is almost always our point for worship. Worship. It was either Hudson Taylor or Marie Monson who tells of a city in China. The city was filled with these gods that they had been worshiping for really centuries. The enemy came and they prayed to these gods. And the enemy just ransacked the town. So after they recovered from that, uh, some other major catastrophe came along. And they prayed and worshipped their gods, and this bad thing happened again. And then a drought came. And once again, they prayed to these gods to solve this problem for them. They were starving to death, and nothing. And finally, this whole town got so fed up that they carried all the gods out into the middle of a field and burned them. They said, what is the point of worshiping something that can't help us when we need it? We have been worshiping these gods for generations, and when any problem comes up, we have no help. Can any true Christian say that? Hasn't God been good to you? Isn't he constantly at work in your life? You say, well, sometimes things didn't turn out like I thought they, I wanted them to. Have you looked back on that? When you look back on it, you think, man, was God good to me. He didn't do what I wanted him to do, and I am sure so thankful for that. You and I are small, insignificant nothings. Yet he counts the hairs on our head. A God like that deserves to be worshipped. A God who uses his omnipotence on your behalf. Worship should be a given.